We're so glad you are here with us this morning. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend. And today we're kicking off a brand new teaching series called Walk This Way. Say that with me. Walk This Way. Turn to your neighbor and say, Walk This Way. And now as you hear that phrase, Walk This Way, I don't know about you, but for me, what comes to mind initially is a song. A song that was first recorded by Aerosmith in 1975. Walk this way! Talk this way! Which is the, the other side of it. In 1986, Run DMC did a collaboration with Aerosmith and released this first song that rap and rock came together for this kind of co- collab- collaboration to re-release Walk This Way. And this not only help to bring up this type of genre out to the light, but also helped Aerosmith's career <laughs> continue to make strides. In fact, when you go to Aerosmith and you search songs, this song with Run DMC is one of the top songs that people talk about with them. But when you hear what they say in the song, the simple phrase is this, walk this way, talk this way. Walk this way, talk this way. And that phrase within the song is really about this choice of pursuing someone, coming after someone, saying, I'm going to walk this way, I'm going to talk this way to come after said person. This is about a romantic relationship within the song or, or having a relationship with somebody. And in the midst of it, as you listen to what's said in that song and what's communicated in there, that truth of if you're going to pursue somebody, if you're going to be about somebody, you have to walk this way. You have to come after them. You have to come near them. You have to share life with them. And as great as Aerosmith did it, and as great as Run DMC with Aerosmith did this song, there was someone long before them that said, walk this way, talk this way. In fact, his name is Jesus, and you may be familiar with him. But in the TV show, The Chosen, they have an Instagram account. And on their Instagram account last Sunday was this picture in the caption read, walk this way walk this way and really it speaks to this idea that Jesus is inviting us to discover who he is his ways what it is to walk this way to walk with Jesus to walk with him because if we're going to really understand who he is not somebody else's interpretation not a podcast that we heard not what culture says not what pastor Joe says we have to lean in close, and walk with him. We have to get to know who he is, what he prioritized, what the values that he held to. Because as we look to who Jesus is, and we understand the life that he's created us for, we want to walk with him. We want to walk this way. We want to follow after him. And so as we think about that, as we begin our time together today, I want to give you this thought. Who and what you follow determines the way you walk. Who and what you follow determines the way you walk. And again, walk isn't speaking about this kind of walk, like I'm just walking or doing a power walk. But walk is really this idea, this the essence of our life and what we're giving ourselves to and, and what our life is built around and who it is we're coming after and who it is that we're pursuing. So here's a question for you today. Whose way are you walking in? Whose way are you walking in? In order for us to get a picture of this Jesus 
that Philip Yancey would talk about and describe in his own upbringing, saying, the Jesus I never knew, this Jesus that we're holding out to you, because some of you would say, I can relate to that. I don't know the Jesus that I read about in the Gospels because I haven't gone there with him. I haven't, for myself, looked closely to him. For some of us, that's our our situation and our circumstances that we find ourselves in. For others of us, we're very familiar with parts of Jesus. But what can happen is we can miss the whole of who Jesus is. And I want us to see him for who he truly is. Because he, again, is the one that's saying, walk this way. He's the one that wants to give us life that is built on purpose. Because he made us on purpose and for a purpose. And it breaks his heart when we miss it. When we miss it because we're all invited in. And so what we're going to do actually throughout this year, this ministry year, we're going to actually be taking apart the Gospel of John to help us to get to understand what Jesus was about, what he talked about, what he taught, what it is that he did, so that we could walk this way, so that we could join him in his ways that he has for us. And we'll take breaks throughout this year, like we'll do some standalone stuff, we'll, we'll take breaks during the Christmas time from the Gospel of John, but the majority of it, we're going to break it apart in different teaching series, because I really want us, and I really believe, in the, in con, with the conviction of my heart, that in order for us to be all that Jesus has for us as a church, we truly have to walk in the way of Jesus, because this is his church, this belongs to him, and we want to follow his lead and what he has for us. So today what we're going to do is we're going to jump right in to John 1. We're going to actually read this passage together, and then we'll go back and break it down and and look at different parts of the passage together, and we'll make sure that we can zero in a bit on what it is that we hear John saying. And as we go to look at what John is describing, and before we jump right in, I want to just note that John is one of Jesus' closest friends. He was called the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? He gave himself that title, I believe, uh, as you read through that. So there's, there's that. But the other part of this, this guy's different than John the Baptist, as you're going to see John the Baptist come up in the Gospel of John. So that's really important to note because for a long time I thought they were the same person. And so I got really confused when I'm like, wait a minute, what's happening here? You know, like, what is he talking to the third person about like, you know, this other guy? Is this his alter ego? What's happening? And, and what I discovered is they're two different people. So that's helpful to know. And then the last thing that is really important, out of all the Gospels that you're going to read about, unlike what you see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where they really set up Jesus coming in and his birth and all these things around his, his life and leadership. What this does is it actually tells you about what Jesus was before he came in the form of a baby. So life beforehand. It, it's the, the introduction. It's, it's the, the life in the essence. It's like when you, when you watch Lord of the Rings or the new Amazon uh, series that they've got, The Power of the Rings, right? They, they tell you a backstory before they jump into the story. There's, there's a backstory that we really need to understand. And so John's gospel does that, and that's different than any of the other gospels. So again, we're going to be in John 1, 1 through 17. So I invite you to open up God's word with me. If you have a copy of the Bible, whether that's on your phone or a hard copy, or you need a copy, we have them uh, in the hall as well. And we then we'll have the verses on the screen. And I also want to welcome those watching online with us this morning. But listen to what it says here in John 1. It says this, in the beginning was the Word, 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that light, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was, sent, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what it is that you've come to do and bring in our lives. I pray right now, even as we begin our time together, for those of us who are seeking and searching to understand who this Jesus is, so we may not call ourselves a follower of you, I pray in real ways we would encounter you through today's message and as we go through the Gospel of John. And for those of us who have grown up in the church, we may have an idea about Jesus. We know things about him, but we don't have a full picture of his ways. I pray you, Jesus, would reveal yourself in deeper ways to us because you're calling each and every one of us to go deeper with you. And I pray we would say yes to that. And I pray that you would just bless our time together today, Lord, and thank you for the reminder of who you are, that you are working, that you are the way maker. And so we can't wait to see how you show up today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so going back to what it is that John communicated in the beginning of this gospel, he says this, again, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And do you hear a certain word that comes up again and again as you read that? What's the word that comes up again and again? That word, yes, word to your mother. That's right, that's right. That, that's what comes up again and again. And at first glance, you're like, he keeps talking about the word, and when I read that and I hear that, what's, what's going on? And, and really, that, that word is, is translated lagos, and, and lagos really simply means message, to communicate. And it, throughout the Greek culture and throughout wisdom literature within Jewish culture, that's how it was conveyed. But here's what John does that's different than what you see it being used in other situations, in other ways. He then goes on to add a descriptor 
of who this Jesus is. In other words, he's saying he's always been and he will always be. When you hear him describe Jesus. And really, when you read this, it mirrors in a lot of ways Genesis 1 when it talks about in the beginning. And it starts talking about how they they created. But before that moment, there's this moment. Before they created, and when I say they, I'm talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They had community together. They had relationship. They were sharing in this perfect union together. And then they created and invited us into this union. And it's beautiful to think about it. It's called the dance of the Trinity. Some have called it that. And, and really, this dance, we've been invited into. And it speaks to who this Jesus is and what he's done. Because before he came in the form of a baby, he always was. And this really speaks to his divinity. It speaks to the fact that he was always God, but then took on flesh. And praise be to God that he took on flesh. Right? He took on flesh for you and for me. So fully God, fully man. And it's beautiful to, to see what he experiences on our behalf. But I don't want us to miss this because what it gets to is the heart and the essence of what the Gospel of John is about. It's about understanding who it is that we're following after. Not just seeing him teach and do some miracles and, and do some uh, different ways of life, but the essence of what he's doing is based off who he already is. And think about this. Think about this. This God that's always been has come for you and for me. He took on flesh to pursue us. This God that we're reading about, that is incredible to think about. It's mind-blowing. And so as we continue on here, it says this, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I think it's perfect that we're teaching this today as it's dark outside, right? It's dark. But today is also a reminder of a dark day that happened 20-plus years ago, right, with 9-11. That was one of the darkest days, if not the darkest, for our country. You know, when 9-11 happened, and so many of us today were, were heavy-hearted about what's happened in that event and what that means for us and what those who lost loved ones and those who lost their lives in that event and that circumstance means. And that darkness was very real for all of us, right? We saw it. We saw it. We're like, wow, this looks like darkness has won. But in this passage, it doesn't minimize that darkness is happening, but there's one who's greater than the darkness. There's one that's greater than the darkness. He's overcome the darkness. The one who gives light, life and light. He's the, the essence of the way of life that we're called to and we were created for and, and a life that's marked with joy and love and hope and peace that's found in Jesus. But there's this light that shines and the darkness will not overcome it. And I know many of us, as we think about 9-11, we're like, man, we're, we're uh, sad about that and our hearts break for that and we weep with those who weep. But for us, maybe your circumstances aren't exactly that, but there's this darkness that you're facing. There's this thing that's overwhelming you right now. Maybe it's something within you. Because part of the darkness, whether we would like to admit it or not, is the darkness within us because of sin. But there's one who's come to overtake and deal with our darkness once and for all. 
And so when we think about sin, sin means to miss the mark and to miss God's perfect standard for our lives, the things that we do and the things that we know we should do but we don't do. And some of us, that darkness is overtaking us today. And in a culture that often says, shame on you, Jesus says, shame off you and shame on me. Because he bore your shame and he bore my shame. Praise be to God. But then the darkness beyond that, because of the brokenness of this world that we now live in and inhabit because this once perfect world that knew of no sin because of Adam and Eve's decision and choice and the fact that we are descendants of them, that brokenness that we not only see in the world events or in ourselves only, but also through sickness and difficulty and challenges, losing loved ones. I mean, even this week, I was on so many conversations with people who are just overwhelmed. Some people who own different uh, businesses, they can't find enough people to work. And so they have to close down certain shifts, but they have the equipment to do it. They have the money to pay for it. They don't they don't have the, um, the, the workers to do it. People don't want to work in that field or that industry. I was talking to somebody else who was really battling, and they were cutting themselves, and they were like, had to be ad- admitted for help in that. And as I was talking to them, I'm like, hey, I want you to know, it breaks God's heart when you minimize that you bear the image of the Trinity. And it breaks his heart when we do that too. When we lose sight of who we are. Yes, let's deal with why that is. Let's deal with what's causing that anxiety and that pain. Let's, let's deal with that. Let's talk about that. But let's not forget there's one who's overcome it. Okay? Because here's the truth. I know all of us, if we're honest, this fatigue of the last several years, I think, has affected all of us. And it feels like, man, the darkness is winning. And I'm here to tell you, while the darkness looks like it's winning, there's a light that's greater than that darkness. And that darkness wants, that light wants to shine on you in the darkness, in the darkest of your days, and wants to meet you in that, wants to meet us in the circumstances we find ourselves in, wants to address what's going on in the world and culture. He wants us to join him, to be witnesses, and to bear his light to those dark spaces and places as well. So as we think about this and what John's saying, I want to give you a couple of things. Here's the first one is, I want you to just honestly evaluate, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? And you can just turn to your neighbor and ask him that question. Just ask him, hey, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? You don't have to answer, but maybe you want to answer. That's fine too. But it's an important question. And not only is it an important question, it's an important question for you to evaluate for yourself. Because John describes Jesus very well, but I think it's important for us to come face to face with what we think about who Jesus is. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? And it's important, again, for us to prayerfully and look through the scripture, but also to be honest, not just with what we pray or read, but we honestly think and take that before him to say, hey, I want to make sure my view of you is in align with who you really are, so show me who you really are. Because he never turns away an honest prayer that fully seeks and desires to know who he is. Never, ever, ever. Those who seek him will find him. Will find him. So as we read through what John said about Jesus, I want to give you a couple things here. Jesus has always been 
and will always be. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always been and will always be. And we need to hear that. We need that so desperately more than ever because when everything's changing around us, when the things that we've built our life on are crumbling, we need to know there's one that we can anchor ourselves to. And that's Jesus. Because again, Jesus has always been and will always be. The, the next part of this is that Jesus is God. We talked about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, and with who he is, the fact that he is God in flesh really speaks again to his power and the magnitude of who he is, but also speaks to the relational nature of who he is. And so he's pursuing you. He's pursuing me. He's coming after us. He's inviting us in. And whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a long, long time, he still wants to deepen your relationship to him and with him. He wants that. And for you who are seeking and you're not there yet, he's inviting you in. He's saying, hey, I want you to come see me for who I am. Again, Jesus is God. And then the next part of this is that Jesus is the life in light. Jesus is the life in light. And we need to hear that and be reminded of that again and again. Because if we're like, I'm trying to make sense of my life, where could I go to to make sense of my life? Who actually knows about life? And who's the source of wisdom about my life? You don't have to turn any further than Jesus. Because he is the fullness of wisdom. He is the one that wants to give us direction. Whether that's about our own personal lives, whether that's our relationships, whether that's our finance, all of it, all of it. He wants to show us the way. He is the source of life. He's the one that's created all things, and all things have been created for him. Again, he's the full measure of wisdom. And the beautiful thing about Jesus, Jesus says, if you want to grow in wisdom, listen to my teaching and put it into practice. Then you will be like a wise person who built their house on the rock. And when the waves come in, they will not be able to take the house down, those waves, because I'm the solid foundation that stands. He's the source of life. But he says the, the opposite is true too. If we hear him and don't obey him, we're like a foolish person who's built our lives on the sand. And that sand is always going to be overtaken by the waves of life, by the circumstances of life. But again, Jesus is the life. He is the life, and he is the light. Well, it goes on to say this here. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. See how confusing that could be if you didn't know? He's talking about another John. John the Baptist. This is who he's talking about, all right? So this is John the Baptist reference that I was mentioning before. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So he's saying, it says very clearly here, John the Baptist was a witness to the light, but he is not the light. He is not the light. He's the, the reflector of the light. It's like these reflectors on our bicycles, right? And I've been doing a lot of bike riding with my son. He's loving it. He's loving it. We're having such a great time. But as you look at those reflectors, those reflectors are really important so that you can not only see others, but that so that they can see you, especially it gets darker and it's harder to see. 
And so John's testifying about this light. And you've got to know in this time, it was really dark there too. Not just with the weather, but culturally in that moment. They were experiencing occupation by the Roman Empire. They were experiencing religious idolatry by the religious leaders who were using their position, using their position for their own selfish gain and to to get more and more money and resources and stuff. It was about them, but not about Jesus. And then there's this one who comes named John the Baptist who says, no, I want to bear witness to this light. In a lot of ways, John's a reformer. And he literally loses his head for it, but he's a reformer. John is really about pointing people to the way. The way that is Jesus. He's not the way, but he knows the way. He knows the way. It goes on to say this. As we think about what it is that we're describing, that we aren't the light. We are witnesses to it. And I want you to think about that in your own life, that you are a witness to the light. You're not only witnessing it in your experience of it, but you're a person that then models it and mirrors it to those around you to those around you, that you're taking on this light. You're taking on this light. And as it brings life to you, you are seeking to allow it to change you from who you are, what you're about, the way you go about what you do and why you do what you do. It changes you from the inside out. Again, we aren't the light. We are witnesses to it. So here's a question for you. Does your life give witness to the light of Jesus. Does your life, does your life give witness to the light of Jesus? Because again, we're not the light. And the pressure's off. I know some of us are like, oh man, I'm disappointed. I thought I was the light. You know, you came in this morning and you know, I am the light. No, no, no. We actually know the light and we together with him go to reflect his light to the world that is in darkness. The darkness that we described early on in our time together today. We want to bear and come to bring this light, this light that brings hope and healing and truth to bear. But our lives are to reflect that because when you give witness to something, it's not just with what you say, that's part of it, but it's about how it changes how you go about what you do. Even the boring stuff of life, like how you do your laundry, do your dishes, do your job, how you drive on the road, right? Right? It changes you, right? It changes, it changes those inward longings and fears, and you address them before Jesus, and you're honest about them. Not only does it address those things, but it also reveals hidden motivations, motivations that aren't pure and honoring to him. But that's all the light does. The light comes in. And it shows us those things that we need to see where there's darkness. Again, the light will not be overcome by the darkness. And so we're to join Jesus in bearing his light, bearing witness to his light to those around us. So think about the people in your life. Think about those classmates of yours. Think about those coworkers. Think about those neighbors. Think about family members. Think about the people that need a heavy dose of this light. And the way that they're going to see this light is through our words and our deeds, right? Like when, when I bear witness to something, 
you can tell it's a priority by how I orient my life differently and how I talk about said thing that I value and that I'm bearing witness to. So if I'm going to talk about a restaurant, you're going to see me describe it, tell you about, man, the food was amazing. But then my going out to eat habits are going to change. I'm going to go there, right? I'm going to go to that place. If they're like, when did you go there last? Oh, it's been three years. They're like, are you, are you sure it's like still that? I mean, I can't tell if you really like that, right? Like for me, if, if you say, hey, who's your team? You know, NFL Sundays here, we're, we're excited. And I'm like, yeah, the Atlanta Falcons, they're my team. And when I'm not rooting for them, I'm rooting for the Eagles, all right? All right, don't, don't hold it against me. You know, but if I'm saying that, then you're going to be like, hey, how are the Falcons doing? I have no clue. I have no clue how they're doing, right? I'll, I'll know the answer, right? I can tell you the answer if I'm truly a fan, if I'm truly following the Falcons. But again, when our lives are being impacted with Jesus in such a deep way, it changes us from the inside to the out, and we bear witness to that light. Now, again, we're not the light, but he's the light. We're the reflector of his light. And together, we're the city on a hill, as Jesus would say, right? We're the salt and the light of the world. Well, it continues on here. It says this, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And as we think about this, it says, Hey, the light came, and he came to his own people. This is a reference to Jesus. The true light came, and as he came to his own people... As he came to the Jewish people, as he came to all humanity, it says that many did not recognize him. They did not recognize him. They did not receive him for who he was. They didn't receive him. And to receive him means to put their trust in him. To receive a gift means I'm going to joyfully take it, right? I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to hold on to it for what it is. But they didn't receive it. Well, it continues on here as we read through this passage. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And I love this because what this says is there is an invitation extended to all humanity and this invitation came to some who said I don't want who you are and then others who did and to believe is the word trust say that word with me trust trust today when you came in you trusted the chair you sat on didn't you you weren't like wait a minute let me see are there screws in here right like how do I know that well you're not only sitting there but you put your full weight on the chair in the same way this word believe is that idea, to trust, to put our full weight of who we are, to recognize what we're not, to recognize our need for a Savior, to recognize, hey, Jesus, I need what only you can give me. The darkness has overtaken my life, and I need your light, the real light, and I receive you for who you are. I receive what it is that you've come to give me. I recognize that I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior, and I can't save myself. I can't perform well enough. I don't have enough 
uh, of, of a resume to impress you with. I'll never in myself be able to provide the peace that I so desperately long for. But thanks be to you, Jesus. You came down so I didn't have to try to climb the ladder because I could never climb the ladder to you. But you climbed the ladder down. You pursued me. You've made a way. And to everyone who believes in him, who puts their trust in him, who puts their trust in who Jesus is, through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, through what he's done, we get the right to be called children of God. We become children of God. We are adopted in to the spiritual family of God because of what Jesus has done by his sacrifice for us. And so this is good news for us. Again, children born not of natural descent, nor of human will, of, of a, a human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Born of God. And this is good news for us today. Because we need a rebirth. Because we are spiritually dead. But there's one who comes to give us spiritual life, and that's Jesus. And Jesus has made a way for us. So as we think about that, I have a question for you. Have you rejected or received Jesus? You notice in this passage there was two responses. Those that he created, those uh, that were his own, he came to, and they didn't want anything to do with him. He did a lot of miracles. He, did, he was the best communicator ever. <laughs> he was doing all these things. He had quite a following. But many said, no, I don't want anything to do with you. And even as his following was growing, eventually it would become less and less and less as they started to hear more and more and more about who he was and what he was inviting them to. But again, the question for us today is have you rejected Jesus or have you received him? Have you received him? Have you put your trust in who he is and what he's come to do for you? And for some of us, the answer is, I haven't done that yet, and I'm not sh totally sure I'm there yet, and that's okay. That's okay to, to spiritually be seeking and, and think about, but I do want to ask you to consider what's holding you back today from doing that. I want to invite you to begin that relationship with God if you haven't yet. And that relationship with God is through what Jesus has done for you. To put your trust in him, to receive him for who he is. But then for some of us, the issue isn't whether we would say we've received Christ. It's that Jesus is daily asking us to receive him afresh and anew. Not to save ourselves or to have to somehow be worried if am I saved or not, but to experience him in a deeper way in our own lives. Because he is inviting each and every one of us not only to receive him, but to experience him a day, a daily, afresh, anew. He wants to walk with us through whatever it is that we're facing, experiencing. He's inviting us to go to those places that are difficult. And in a few moments, we're going to have a chance to pray for even our, our good friends, uh, Travis and Grace Ross, who are making a move to Florida. And as they're making a move to Florida, they're receiving what Jesus has for them. They don't want to actually leave. But this is what Jesus has for them. They're following in trust to what it is he's called them to in this season. But they're receiving what he has for them. And sometimes it's a difficult change in assignment. Sometimes it's the fact that he's expanding influence and impact for our lives. And he's asking us, will you receive what I have for you? And will you not forget that it's me doing it in you, through you, and around you? 
I want to let you in on what I'm doing in this world. I want you to be about my kingdom initiatives to the world. I want to change your character so it resembles the character of Christ. I want you to grow in the competencies of Christ, the way in which he did what he did, so that we can reach our capacity for Christ. But that means we've got to receive him. First, as a follower of Christ, to put our trust in him, but daily to receive him, to walk with him. This is meant to be a life-giving, real relationship. We don't have to wait till when we leave this earth to experience Jesus. We get to experience him right now. In fact, this is what Jesus would say as we read through John 17, 3. This is eternal life, knowing me. And knowing me speaks to intimacy. Knowing me speaks to walk this way, walk with me, share in this life with me. This is his invitation to each and every one of us. So have you rejected or received Jesus? Well, it goes on to say this. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word, he took on flesh. And I always love how Eugene Peterson says it. He moved into the neighborhood. He came near. He came near to you and he came near to me. He's dwelling among us with whatever we're facing whether it's a dislocated shoulder, whether it's uh, a prognosis, I've got to get a root canal, whatever it is, those types of things in life, he's right there, right there. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of what? What was he full of? 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 That's right. And so many of us, the way we've been brought up in the church, we read it one or two ways. He's full of grace. That's it. Or he's full of truth. He can't possibly be full of grace and truth. What? How? What? No. He's the word, right? Yeah, he can be 100% both. Not 50-50. Nah, 100% grace and 100% truth. He's gracious, he's kind, he's loving. He gives us the grace that we need to endure what it is that we're experiencing. He graces us with his presence. He gives us the spiritual gifts that we need to step into what he has for us. He gives us not only the supernatural strength to join him when we're suffering and something's painful, but to have the courage to stand with him and to go where he's calling us and the fruit in which he wants to bear in our lives in those seasons, in those moments, come from his grace and the truth, though. Some of us, we're like, no, nah, I kind of just like the grace, period. <laughs> no, no, no. Grace and truth. Because there's a truth that is for our benefit to hear. There's a truth, there's a way of life that we were created for and called to. There's truth of what's right and what's wrong and what misses the standard of life that we were created for and designed for. But again, if we don't see grace and truth together, we end up minimizing the one for the other. And what we end up doing is we end up, end up taking a view of Jesus that he himself is not. And then we end up taking the word grace and then we, we neuter its power. We take the word truth without grace, and we neuter its power. It's grace and truth. Grace and truth. And we need to become people who are marked 
by grace and truth. And you've heard me talk about this. I could go on and on about this because one of my biggest hang-ups with the American church right now is that we are a people that lack the ability to be full of grace and truth. We like to pick a side. It's grace versus truth. And it's outside of the Jesus way. It's outside of what he's invited us to. And so what we end up doing is, again, we miss Jesus and we make him in our own image as a result. I'm more comfortable with truth. So he has to be like this, rigid. Oh, no, I like, I like Jesus to be more gracious. Oh, Johnny, whatever you want to do, it's fine. Go ahead. No, no problem. You tell me what you want. You know? <laughs> and he does want to hear that. But in other words, we set the standard versus him setting the standard. And he says, walk this way. I am full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. What goes on to say this. says, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me surpasses me because he was before me. And one of the things you're going to see as we continue in the gospel of John, John the Baptist is going to get quite a following. But all throughout, he recognizes who he is and who he is not. He understands in his fame and his acclaim and people coming after him, hey, hey, I just want to make it clear, there's one that's greater than me. And that greater one is Jesus. He, he could handle success because he understood that ultimately there was one that surpassed his success. There was one that it was about, and that's a whole nother message we could give today. But I just want to say, as you look at John the Baptist, he's one of my favorite characters because his heart is to prepare the way of the Lord. His heart is to prepare for people to encounter and experience Jesus for who he truly is. And then it goes on to say this. It says, out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So through Jesus, we receive grace upon grace. And if you've been to the beach, this is the picture of wave upon wave upon wave. You can't count how many waves are out in the ocean, right? And if you try to, like, beat the waves and you say, oh, I, can, I can withstand all these waves, eventually, right, the wave overtakes you. In the same way, the grace of Jesus is so great. It's grace upon grace upon grace. It's kindness. It's a compassion. It's empowering. It's equipping. It's sustaining. It's strengthening. It allows us to experience who Jesus truly is. It's by grace through faith that we're saved, right? Not of our own work. It's this unmerited favor, but it's this grace upon grace upon grace. And he gives us in himself grace upon grace upon grace. And it says, again, the law came through Moses. And the law was really important. The law was a teacher, as Paul would say in Galatians. It tutored us to know our need for a Savior, to recognize we couldn't keep all that the law required. But there was one who perfectly performed on our behalf, and that's Jesus. And through him, through him, truth and grace came. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And I love that. I love that in Jesus, he's full of grace and truth because I need what he can provide for me. I need his leadership on all aspects of my life. I need one who's greater than the darkness, greater than the changing uh, culture uh, that we find ourselves in, greater than even who I am and my changing opinions and thoughts and my shortcomings. I need one who's greater and Jesus is 
greater. He's full of grace and truth. So as we think about this, here's, here's something that's really important for us. Jesus is full of grace and truth. It's from him we receive grace upon grace. And you've heard me talk about that today, but I want you not to miss this. Because if we're going to really see Jesus for who he is, we want to be a people, again, who are full of grace and truth, who are growing in this. And that happens as we receive grace upon grace. Now, we're not perfectly going to do what Jesus did, right? We're all, just by the nature of being a human, going to gravitate towards grace or towards truth. So that's not the issue. The issue is, are we seeing Jesus for who he is, and are we allowing him to have access to all we are? Are we allowing ourselves to become more and more in his image from who we are, right? So here's a question for you. What are you full of? What are you full of? Yeah, that's a good question, right? And oftentimes we say, you're full of it, right? That's usually it. <laughs> but wouldn't it be a compliment if people said, me, you're full of grace and truth. And we know, again, we're not perfectly doing that. We can't, but we can grow in that. We can grow in being people who are marked with grace and truth. We can grow by the power of the saving grace of Jesus and through the work of the Holy Spirit. And as we look at who we've become, as we've been adopted into God's family, and we have a relationship with God the Father that says we can cry out, Abba, Father. Or as Jesus prayed, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? We can know him. He can change us. And we don't have to hide behind things like, this is just my personality type. This is just who I am. If you only knew, hey, all those things are very real and they're true. They're, they're things in your life and in your experience that make you who you are. But they should never be, they should help to explain things, but should never become an excuse for you joining Jesus and what he wants to do in you. Okay? Because he wants to grow you. He wants to change you. He wants to shape you. He wants to mold you and his likeness and his image. Again, what are you full of? And then the last part of this is when we walk in the Jesus way, we become people growing in grace and truth. So my question is, are you growing in these areas? Because the question is, as we walk in Jesus in his ways, as we walk this way, we're going to be growing in grace and truth. So it's the question really for us is who are we becoming? Who are we becoming? This is about our formation. This is about being formed in the ways of Jesus so that as we walk with Jesus, then we're about his way. So who are you becoming? I want you to be considering that because we want to look to Jesus for all that he is, the essence of who he is and what he has for us as he invites us to walk this way. Walk with me. Let's share this life together. Join me. Join me. Walk this way. Come follow me. Come follow me, and I'll make you, as it says throughout the Gospels, a fisher of men. I'll make you one who impacts and influences the people around you. Let's pray. Father, right now, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Gospel of John. We thank you for all these different characters that make up this story. But more than anything, we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We are so, so grateful. We're so grateful for what it is you've done. We're so grateful for who you are. And I pray that today would be the day that we would all say, I receive you, Jesus. For those who have yet to receive you, I pray that this would be the beginning for them of a lifelong journey with you, this adventure you call them to. But for those of us who have been followers of you for some time, I pray we would see you afresh and anew, and we would deepen our walk with you. 
that we would walk this way, that we would experience what it is that you have for us. So Jesus, we're grateful. We're grateful for what you're doing. We can't wait to see how you work in this teaching series as well. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.